again. And if you remember, a couple of months ago, we started studying the book of Hebrews. So we've done the four first verses of the book of Hebrews. And today we're going to continue our study in the book of Hebrews. And we're going to study the whole chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open in Hebrews chapter 1. And we're going to read the whole chapter, 14 verses. So Hebrews chapter 1 says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you, Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels' winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, lay the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your ears will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. And we ask God to bless the reading of his word. So my friends, when we first looked at the book of Hebrews a few months ago, if you remember, we started with a verse from the last chapter. And there we find the author describing his letter as a word of exhortation. You can see this in Hebrews 13, 22. A word of exhortation. Do you remember what that means? That means the Hebrews is a sermon. So now a question that I didn't ask last time we looked at Hebrews. A sermon on what? A sermon always, have, always has to, to have a basis, right? Sometimes, as one of my friends put it, there are sermons in search of a text, but I don't think that's the case here. So what is the text or, or passage 
that the author of Hebrews is explaining. And let me answer this question by, by pointing out you to, to the Greek Bible. And don't you worry, I'm not going to speak Greek here because I kind of do it. But at the end of the Greek Bible, there, there is an index of Old Testament passages that they are quoted by the New Testament. So take a guess at what Old Testament passage is quoted more often by the New Testament than any other passage. And let me lay out some possibilities here. What Genesis 2:24 says about a man leaving his father and mother and being united to his wife is quoted quite a lot in the New Testament. Same with Deuteronomy 10:17, which tells us that the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. Another very popular Old, pass, uh, Old Testament passage is 1 Kings 22:19, which says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the hosts of heaven standing around him on his right hand and on his left. Psalm 47, verse 8 is highly popular in the New Testament too. So again, what Old Testament passage is quoted more often by the New Testament than any other passage? And the most popular passage is Psalm 110. And the second most popular passage is Psalm 2. And both Psalms are quoted repeatedly by the book of Hebrews. Both are Psalms about the reign and rule of the Davidic king. However, in these last days, as Hebrews 1 verse 2 puts it, the Psalms look past the Davidic king to the messianic king to the ascension and reign of King Jesus. So, it is believed that the book of Hebrews is an inspired sermon on either Psalm 110 or Psalm 2 or, or both of them. Therefore, it should not surprise you that we find both Psalm 2 and Psalm 110 Quoted in today's Bible passage. Do you also remember the four words or phrases which are vital, which are very important for our understanding of the book of Hebrews? If you don't remember, don't worry. I will restate them for you. Four words or phrases, they are vital. The first one is better. Or superior in another translations. Second one is perfect. Third one is eternal. And the last one is once for all. So superior, perfect, eternal, and once for all. And the emphasis of our text this morning is that Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is superior to the angels. Have a look in verse 4 again. The author puts it, 
having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Isn't this an amazing teaching? Absolutely wonderful. Hebrews here is talking about a flesh and blood Jesus. A Jesus who took on our flesh. A Jesus who suffered and died. A Jesus who was made like us. His brothers. In every way. And this Jesus. As hard as it might be for some to believe. Is superior to the angels. But another question for you. Why angels? Why does the author of Hebrews mention angels at all? Why make a point, quite a big point, that Jesus is superior to the angels? So, as the name of the book indicates, the letter in front of us, or the sermon in front of us, is addressed to Hebrews. That is, to Jewish Christians, right? In order to, to encourage them in the faith. And if you remember again, a few months ago, some of these Christians, in the face of persecution, heavy persecution, they were returning to their old traditions. So Hebrews was written to teach them that the Christian faith is better, is superior in every way than the, than the old practices. Hebrews was written to tell them that Jesus is better than anything else they lived and experienced before. And more specifically, this morning's text tells them that Jesus is superior than the angels. Jesus is superior than the angels. So loved in, in Jewish theology and mysticism. And to see this, I need to spend a few moments telling you the place of angels in Jewish teaching, tradition, and popular thought. We're starting by acknowledging that the Old Testament mentioned angels at many times and in quite a lot of places. Look at the angels we see right in the first beginning in the book of Genesis. The devil tempting man into sin. And then angels guard the entrance of the garden. Angels foretell the, the birth of Isaac. An angel stops Abraham from killing Isaac. Again, an, an angel goes before Abraham's servant as he selects a wife for Isaac. And angels ascend and descend Jacob's ladder. So there's a lot of mentions in the Old Testament about angels. And there's also a whole body of literature which teaches that the law of God was mediated through the angels. And you see this in the book of Acts, the book of Galatians, and further in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2. And though... The Old Testament is the Jewish scriptures. This does not mean that all Jews 
accepted the existence of angels. For example, at the time of Jesus, the Sadducees, they denied their existence. And as for today, some Jews, they don't believe in angels anymore. I must also point out that the Jews have never worshipped angels the way some other religions uh, worship saints or creatures. They don't do that. In fact, there was always a, a fear among the Jews that a belief in angels would rival God. So how do the early Jews, the audience of the book of Hebrews, viewed angels? And according to early Jewish history and literature, the angels pointed to themselves in their infinite number and told God that humans did not need to be created. In Jewish literature, angels, they do all sorts of things. They speak, they sit, they stand, walk, they climb ladders, they fly, they ride horses, they use weapons, they escort people to heaven or hell, they bring prophecy, they dialogue with God, they act as God's cabinet, they worship God, they sing in God's heavenly choir, they do God's binding, they record our deeds in the book of life, they carry divine messages, they act as heavenly janitors and security guards, if, if I can use the words, heavenly janitors. They, they left people's spirits, they help people in time of need, and they serve as God's escort service to the heavenly realms. So they are God's servants. So to sum up, there's quite a lot here. So to sum up, angels are powerful. They are quite scary sometimes. And they are endowed with wisdom. Now, along comes this sermon. And the Hebrew Christians are told that Jesus is superior to the angels. That is, Jesus is superior to powerful, quite scary and wise angels. And to us now, this is a no-brainer, isn't it? Of course he is superior. Of course he is better. After all, look, all, look at the things Hebrews already told us about Jesus in verses 2 and 3. He is God's last word for these last days. He's heir of all things. He made the universe. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of God's being. He sustained all things by his powerful word. He provided purification for sins. And he ascended and sat down at God's right hand in heaven. So the conclusion of Hebrews is Jesus is superior to the angels. Jesus is better than the angels. And not only Jesus is better than the angels, but the words he spoke are 
superior to the words spoken by the angels. And the author of, of Hebrews take care to establish the full authority of God's revelation through Jesus Christ. So in verse 4, the author continues making his point about the superiority of Jesus by telling us that he has a more excellent name than the angels. He has a more excellent name than the angels. And we are given in scripture the name of some angels. For example, there is Michael, whose name means who is like God. But Jesus, remember, he is the exact representation of God's being. There is also Gabriel, a very famous one, whose name means God is great. But through Jesus, God made the universe. There is Lucifer, the name of Satan before he fell. And his name means morning star. But Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. And there are a lot of names in the Bible for Jesus. Over 200 names for Jesus. But which name is in mind when Hebrews tells us that the name he has inherited is superior to theirs? What is the name that is more excellent? And the more excellent name, in fact, the most excellent name is Son. Son like father and son, not the shiny son, but son. And in the Old Testament, angels are called sons of God. And you can see this in Job chapter 1 and 2. But never, however, is any angel called the son of God. And as Hebrews asks in verse 5, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son today? I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And the answer, of course, is none. No angels, mighty and awesome though they be, are called the Son of God. Only the second person of the Trinity is the eternal Son of of God. In the first quote here, you are my son, today I have begotten you, comes from Psalm number two, as I said in the beginning. And in this Psalm, God is addressing the Messianic king. In the words, they do apply to David and Solomon, but never in the fullest sense. And the Jews, they knew from reading the Psalms that a king was being spoken of who had absolute power and before whom all nations would bow. They further knew that the kingship of David and Solomon was only a foreshadowing of this 
greater kingship. So they knew that the person addressed in Psalm 2 was not David, was not Solomon, and was not an angel. Our passage argues that it can only be the Messiah, the Son who is superior to the angels. In the second quote, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son, comes from 2 Samuel 7.14. And there, God told David that he would be the father to David's greater son, David's greater son to come and will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And this can only refer partially to Solomon, since Solomon was a sinner. The full reference has to be to him who is the son of God in the fullest sense. Again, my friends, the person being addressed was not David, was not Solomon, and was not an angel. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Does this sound familiar to you? Hebrews would have us to take a close look at, at Jesus' baptism. Do you remember what happened? As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up from the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And the voice of God from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we are also being directed here to Jesus' transfiguration. And you remember what happened? While Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus, a bright cloud enveloped them. And a voice from the cloud said again, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I will be to him a father. And he shall be to me a son. Were these words ever said to any of the angels? Absolutely not. These words were said only to Jesus. Because he alone is eternal. He alone is eternal, natural son of God. The point, Jesus is superior to the mighty angels. And in the next session of our passage, Hebrews directs our attention to Christmas Day and to Jesus' superior birth. Verse 6 says, And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Do you remember what happened with the angels on Christmas Day? They were messengers who announced the birth of Jesus. 
And then they sang praises to God, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. They are messengers about the Son. They praise God for the Son. They sing praises to the Son. And Jesus is never shown worshiping the angels, but they are shown worshiping Him. And if you look at the book of Revelation, there we can see worship scene after worship scene with the angels worshiping the Son, worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. There we also see angels warning us not to worship them, but to worship the Son. The point again, Jesus is superior to the mighty angels. He is superior. In the final section of our Bible reading, concludes by quoting Psalm 110. Remember, Hebrews is probably a sermon based on Psalm 110. And here we see the superior calling of the Son. So let's read verse 13 and 14 again. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? What are we being told here? The Son reigns. The Son rules. The Son has authority and power. His thrones last forever. And we know why. Because he provided purification. He provided purification. He died for our sins and was raised for our justification. And then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So his is the kingdom, power, and authority. As for the angels, they are ministering spirits who serve the throne on which the sun sets because the sun is superior. So here is the conclusion of the matter. We need to conclude. So here's the conclusion of the matter. As we find it at the beginning of the next chapter, Hebrews 2, verses 2, tells us the message spoken by the mighty angels was reliable. Remember what that message was? It was the law. The law delivered by the mighty angels was reliable. It was binding. It must be obeyed. It must be listened to. It must be followed. And we are told 
that every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. But now one mightier than the mightiest angel has come. He is God's last words for these last times. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. If you listen to the angels, then you must listen even more carefully to Jesus, to the Son. Remember again the original audience. There were Hebrews who, because of heavy persecution, they were thinking of going back to the old roots and the old faith. And do you think they listened to the angels? Of course they did. Of course they did. No matter how many times they heard the law, they never could hear it enough. No matter how many times they heard its demands, they wanted to hear it again and again and again. They loved the law. So if you listen to the angels, then for sure you will want to listen to the Son, who is greater than the angels. If you listen to the angels who condemn you and leave you in your sin, then for sure you will want to listen to Him who provided purification for our sins. If you listen to the angels who are simply ministering spirits, then for sure you want to listen to him who sits at the right hand of God. If you listen to the angels, then for sure you will want to listen to the Son. Which reminds me again of the last phrase of what was said at the transfiguration scene. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He is the son. Listen to him. Jesus is greater, my friends. He is superior than the mighty angels. He has a superior name. He has a superior birth. And he has a superior calling. So listen to him. So that we do not drift away. So that we don't leave the faith. He is the son. Listen to him. Amen. Let's now listen to our final worship song called 